This is the K-12 Engineering Education Podcast for August 29th, 2016. What do you want to be when you grow up? Recognize that question? Today's guest is Lois Melbourne, and she's trying to broaden kids' answers to that question. Lois is an entrepreneur, a former CEO of a software company in the talent management and human resources industry, and now also the author of a book for kids in middle school and junior high called The STEM Club Goes Exploring. STEM, as you might know, stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math. We spoke about all of this over Skype. Lois, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. So I wanted to talk to you about your new book. Can you just describe a little bit of what it's about? Yes, the STEM Club Goes Exploring is designed to help kids look at careers in the STEM categories and learn how to talk to adults about what their job entails and why they're doing it. So the kids are exploring medical careers, the different jobs that are at a video game company, why someone would go to vet school but not become a vet. So just kind of opening up the the territory for them to explore. So why did you start this book series? Because this is just one book out of many, it looks like. Uh, why did you start your book series with STEM careers as opposed to uh, arts or civil service or anything like that? Well, a number of reasons. I have a passion for STEM. I'm very curious about it. Um, having had a software company, I've been well engaged in that side of the technology, but I find that engineering is incredibly inspirational and medicine is on, you know, cutting edge of so many things. So it's a fascinating space. It's also very hot in the market and there's a lot of misconceptions for kids around STEM. So I wanted to kind of make it accessible. Yeah. What are some of those misconceptions, do you think? I think one is that if you're going to go into STEM, you have to be, you know, a math superstar. And that intimidates a lot of kids and knocks them out. And it's not the case. I don't directly um, address that in the book, but I think making different types of stories available will hopefully encourage them to check it out. But I think that that's, that's a myth. Thankfully, I think we're debunking the gender myth. I think mm-hmm. we're kind of past that at the kid's age. Um, not that there's not still work to do there, but I don't think it's as intimidating a wall as it used to be. And looking at education levels, I think there's a lot of fear that you have to be the, you know, the valedictorian in school in order to go into STEM. Um, you have to go through years of university to go into STEM. And, and I think that those are the conversations that adults need to have with kids. I love that the very first career that your characters get into is app development, like you said. And that's how you can tell this is a book from 2016 and not 1996. True. Uh, The girl who's exploring that career uh, talks about that business uh, as a collaborative undertaking, whether you're coding, whether you're doing the art, whether you're selling. And that's really key. Did your past experience in the software industry kind of inform these decisions inform your story here? 
Oh, it certainly did, especially for the software part. Um, you know, every single one of those jobs were jobs that we had in our company. Right. And it was, and it is very much a teamwork uh, position, even though in many cases, developers or testers, they may telecommute, which means they may not be working in an office directly elbow to elbow with someone, but our developers and, and our testers would be on, you know, messaging back and forth or even on video back and forth talking consistently because there's a great deal of interaction that's needed to, to do that development. So there is certainly room for, for lone wolves to work in the field, but it's, it's can, also be a very social career, which I think is important and helps people not shy away from it. If they think that they're just going to be in a dark corner coding or testing, um, they may think, no, I need more interaction with people than that. Yeah, I'm so glad you say that. I'm not sure that kids know that when they think about engineering. Did you do research to help write this book to, to find out about these these careers and these myths? I certainly did. I've had a blessing of working with nearly every industry under the sun because of the uh, the work that I did previously. So working with HR, human resource software, gave me exposure to a plethora of industries and jobs and such. But definitely did research into how people approach their jobs and what they what they like about their jobs and also how did they know when they wanted to pursue those careers because i think that's important for kids to understand hey these are the things i like are these types of jobs something that i i can do in that space yeah, I can only imagine, since you have a lot of HR experience, did you encounter STEM professionals who spoke about how they got into STEM? Did you learn about what motivates them? Yeah, career paths can certainly be um, varied, but what I find is very much a part of almost every STEM um, employee or professional is that they're problem solvers. And that is usually the root of their curiosity and their, you know, they want to, to look at an issue and plot out how we're going to get to the answer. And that's a very, very common trait amongst any STEM type professional that I've met. Mm. And in your book, you do mention the big four traditional engineering disciplines of mechanical, civil, chemical, and electrical engineering, which I love. As an engineer, that's great. How did you choose all the careers that ended up in your book? Oh, it was so hard to cut anything off. I could, you know, which is one reason why there's going to be a series. Not mm. all of them will be STEM related, although I could easily do an entire series on STEM and we'll loop back around to STEM uh, again. Um, but it, it became a matter of talking with a lot of kids about what they were interested in and what they could relate to. And so I kind of, cherry-picked, if you will, the things that I thought that they would 
grab on to uh, most quickly. But it was very difficult to narrow that down. So like on my website, I'm continuing to add stories and discussions about different types of careers. And, and really, I want to know from readers and from teachers, what, what are their kids curious about? Because I can feed the content based on priorities that people have. So that's a forever request that I have out there is tell me what you need because I, I want to produce information that the, the teachers and the students and the parents are looking for to help inspire their kids. And speaking of your website, that's myfuturestory.com, correct? Yes. A lot of people might find it challenging to talk about STEM or engineering careers to kids in a way that is actually exciting and engaging and still accurate. But you've already, it sounds like, done some of that work thinking about that. Do you have any tips for these parents or teachers when it comes to communicating about ki to kids about these careers? I think a lot of it is going to not include job titles. Sometimes adults think that if they ask a kid what they want to be when they grow up, they're expecting a a job title to come back at them because that's how adults categorize people. I think it's often better to say, what types of things do you want to do for the rest of your life? And that gets a very different answer. So if it's then building things, it's like, okay, well, what kind of building things do you want? You know, is it, you know, what are you fascinated by? Is it electronics? Is it mechanical? You know, the, um, you know, mechanical engineer is known as the, you know, the movement engineer. If it moves, if it, uh, you know, creates things, then it's mechanical engineering. So pulling words out from kids that are in their language, and then it becomes the adult's responsibility to help do some of that translation, um, but not to expect a a kid to pop out with a job title. Right, not to have adult language coming out of the, the kids' mouths. Yes. It sounds like a lot of what you're saying to do is ask more questions rather than, than tell them certain things. Yes. One example is, it's not a STEM example, but it's a good um, discussion, is a young lady that was very interested in theater and, you know, parents were maybe not thrilled with the fact thinking that, oh, she's, you know, going to go and, and, you know, thinks that she's going to be an actress. And, and what she really found is what she liked to do was the, the set design and the set construction and found that, you know, memorizing lines and doing something that was very repetitive was not of interest to her. And she really wasn't, you know, ready for the, the star of the show kind of thing, but she loves the theater. So, for her case, she's not doing theater full time. She does theater on the side. But what she does is support the local theater groups. She gets hired to build sets and do the set design and such. So by, by asking in this case herself, because she really discovered it once she was in college, it was asking herself, what was it about theater that was so interesting? And it wasn't the front of the house. It was the back of the house. So sometimes it's, it's, it's the aurora around a career that 
brings kids into what it is that they want to do. Then when it comes to STEM careers or engineering careers, what would you say are some key signs that uh, that type of career is right for, for you or right for your kid? I believe a lot of it is the uh, curiosity is key. I mentioned that earlier, that they want to know how do things work? How are things made? Um, that something, one thing is stronger than another. You know, they kind of test physical limits sometimes um, to see how how things will work or what will work better. Somebody that likes to go through the, you know, the testing process. Well, this board won't work. You know, I can't get my, my skateboard up that. It bends too much. Well, what about this board? Well, that one's to this or that one's to that. When they're willing to go through that test experiment kind of process. It may not be the, you know, the classic experiment in the kitchen making a bowl and making, you know, full of stuff and making a mess, although <laughs> that will tell you something. But in anything where they're, they're building something and they're looking for a new way or a better way, um, any child that's addicted to cardboard and duct tape and, you know, widgets and gadgets and create stuff is, is very possibly on the way to a engineering career. I think also tenacity is important, which is something that can be developed, but some kids have it and some don't. Will they give up really easily or will they continue to make an effort to solve the problem? That's needed for not just engineering, although incredibly important for engineering, but for many STEM careers is that you don't give up until you have the problem solved. Yeah, and I'm super interested because that is kind of another hot topic, especially in educational research for engineering and other fields. Do you have any thoughts on how you can help kids get that tenacity if, if they don't appear to have it? I think sometimes... Um, it is a matter of teamwork. Sometimes the reason a kid might want to give up is because they feel like they're isolated with the problem. So helping them by giving them maybe alternatives or different tools or helping them talk through what it is that they're trying to solve gets them maybe over the frustration hump and into, you know, the next reward, if you will. Sometimes just knowing it's time to give up on a project, you know, that, yeah. that it, you're not going to build the rocket in your backyard. <laughs> yeah, they say that uh, to be a good engineer, you have to deal with failure <laughs> properly. Well, and, and that's, that's very important. We have to let our kids fail and learn from the failure. Why did it fail? Instead of just sweeping a failure under the rug, it's it's a matter of celebrating it and saying, "Hey, we got part way. Hey, we don't. We know what doesn't work." So those are things that teachers and parents can certainly encourage. Um, a, a great example, um, which is kind of fun, is like the Mythbusters TV show where they don't get it right the first time. They often have to try over and over again and kind of using that as an example of you know, sometimes it's competition that they have, but the fact that they don't get it right every time. And these guys are material experts with what they're working with. And they have to try several things in order to see what will actually work. And sometimes they fail. 
some kids who are interested in STEM fields or in an engineering career, I mean, oftentimes they'll be told, hey, you have to go to college. You have to get this four-year degree. You have to get your master's. But not all kids go to college and not all kids get four-year degrees. Um, do you have any suggestions or ideas for uh, what some kids can go into if they want to work in these fields, but they they don't know that they want to go to a four-year college? There's in in many cases there are certainly um, non-degreed jobs where you might be someone's assistant. Mm-hmm. You know, so you might be working in an engineering organization, but you might be, you know, the the technician, if you will, um, where you can still be elbow to elbow with someone. And also looking at things that are um, programming, for example. Yes, there are some employers that say you must have a degree, and that's that's a whole nother soapbox that I can get <laughs> onto. But there's so much that can be self-taught in in programming and with programming languages becoming more and more accessible. Um, certainly, entrepreneurs, you know, people that are building websites, etc., um, uh, testers, analysts, not all of those require degrees, but they require you to possibly learn on your own um, and be self-taught because you're not going to walk in the door and say, I've never coded, but hire me because I'm smart. That That's not going to work. I'm sure you didn't hire anyone like that when you were... No. No. Did, did you work with uh, any technicians like that in your own software company or, or your other experiences? Um, yes, I had many even senior um, managers that were in development that yeah. did not have a college degree. Um, they were self-taught, started with you know one language, moved into another, advanced to another. Uh, also in like web development. We had um, several of our professionals there did not have degrees. So it was not a hang-up that we had for our hiring. We were looking for the right mentality and skill set and aptitude. What are your upcoming plans for your next book? So my next book is called Kids Go to Work Day. And it is along the same um, storyline, if you will, different characters. They're not exploring STEM. They're exploring other types of careers, not-for-profit careers and um, uh, creative careers. And then and it will be out this fall. The, then the third book is all... Back to our most recent conversation was um, that it will all be careers that do not require uh, a degree. Ah, okay. And I'm sure that there will be some STEM careers in that as well. Yes, yes, there will be. And I'm, I'm already, I already have part of another STEM book underway that I, I know I have to do more because there's too much fun stuff out there. <laughs> yeah, you've got your work cut out for you, I'm sure. Yes. Do you have uh, plans beyond the book? Um, I know you've got the website, but any more businesses in line for you? Yes, I'm working to open up um, field trips, if you will, for organizations that 
uh, will allow kids to go and explore different employers. So, you know, let's go see the robots at an Amazon distribution center and let people understand what types of jobs that they could pursue and give them a real flavor of the type of work environments there are. And so that is something that we'll be working with probably primarily with not-for-profit organizations that are you know, trying to give kids exposure that maybe their parents can't get them access to those types of things. I would love to do school field trips as well, but the school process, that's a big learning curve. So. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I've had a little bit of experience with that, and there's a lot of stuff to take care of. But, but it sounds amazing what your plans are. I know that lots of teachers are interested in that, if you can get that going. So thank you so much for speaking with me again, Lois. Uh, where can people find your book? So my book's available at Barnes & Noble or at uh, Amazon. And the um, the STEM Club goes exploring. You can also find if they're librarians or teachers, if they have NetGalley access, then they can actually get a free download of the um, e-version so that they can check that out and see if they want to look at it for their own school. Great. And if someone wants to connect with you or just find out more about what you're doing, how can they do that? So my um, the website is myfuturestory.com, and I'm also at, on Twitter as just Lois Melbourne. Um, and then we have um, the Facebook page is My Future Stories, plural, mm. um, is a group there where we're really doing a lot of, of uh, reposting of content that's out there, but really trying to aggregate things, especially for um, teachers and parents that are wanting to help their kids explore. Okay, that sounds excellent. Lois, thank you so much, and uh, good luck with all your work. Thank you, and uh, I look forward to more of your podcasts. <laughs> Thanks. Links to Lois Melbourne's website and Twitter are in the show notes. You can connect to this podcast on Facebook, Google Play, iTunes, and other media. Check out the podcast website for all the links, k12engineering.net. Thanks for subscribing and reviewing the show, and please listen in next time. The views expressed in this podcast are our own, and they are not necessarily the opinions of any schools, companies, or other groups with which we might be connected. Our theme music comes from School Zone by the Honorable Sleaze. Our interlude music is from Theme P by Steve Combs. And our closing music is from Late for School by Bleep Tour. All are used under Creative Commons attribution licenses. Music